0: Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the way.
1: Amen. And again, good morning. Great to see everybody today. How many of you like that song, Waymaker? That's a good, it's a good song, isn't it? How how many of you can say, I can praise God today because he made a way in just the last month? In just the last month? Okay. Praise the Lord. God making a way. And you know what? When he does it for us in the past, he expects us to believe him again in the future, right? So, hey, if you need a way made in 2022, he's, he's going to be faithful, isn't he? He's going to show himself good. Well, happy new year to everybody. I say that with a smile. I'm faking it just a little bit. I'm, I'm, you know, still get the holidays. Really? They're all over just like that. I thought we were just getting started. I always feel that. Anybody else feel like that? Right. Yeah. The holiday lovers were just, oh, this hurts a little bit, but on we go into 2022. And I tell you one thing, I really am excited about it. I alluded to it a moment ago when I was praying. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about prayer and what that can mean in my life and in, and in your life and in the church. And you know, obviously there's nothing unique in the church service to say we're excited about prayer. But but what if, what if we saw God do something we've never seen before? What, what if we really did, like, get the attention of heaven in a new and exciting way? And uh, in 2022, that's kind of our, our focus, is how we as individuals, as families, how we as a church are going to pray. And there's kind of three parts to this uh, that are going to be kicking off this year. Uh, as I'm explaining the first part, I'm going to ask David Alori, our member care pastor, our prayer pastor, to come up here because he's going to explain two parts. But the first part is starting next Sunday, I'm going to start a series uh, on on prayer that's going to be five messages long on WWGP. What would God pray? You ever thought about that? What would God pray for you? What would God pray for your family? What would God pray for our church? What would God pray for our nation? Those are actually the, the things we're going to be looking at. And uh, this series isn't how to pray. It's not why to pray. I think some how and why will kind of rise up in that, but it's on what. What to pray. I mean, a lot of times when we're praying, it's, What's got us frustrated is not the how and why, it's I don't know what to say. Anybody been there? Or I've run out of words to say on this particular issue. Well, we're going to be looking at what would God pray. And I, I really believe it can make a profound difference. So we'll be starting that next week. It's five Sundays, so that'll go into February. Now, David, as I'm doing that, what else is going to be going on? I come on in get closer here to me. First of all, happy
0: new year, uh, church family. (laughs) I am so excited about this prayer series Pastor's is about to kick off. Um, but, um, you know, God's got an awesome, uh, prayer plan for our church. Uh, the next step from pastor series is the 21 day, uh, prayer and fasting that would kick off on the sixth Thursday, the sixth of January. Ending on Wednesday, uh, the 26th. Okay, there's a, a prayer guide that is out there online. You can download it at thb.church slash 21 days. Um, we have some copies, about 100 copies. So one per family today. You can come back Wednesday... And into Thursday to pick up a copy for yourself. Uh, we have a limited copy right now, but we can get uh, you can get printed copies if you need those. Uh, starting Wednesday, there are some out there, so you can pick that up. So
1: there are some today. Today, yeah. So the 9:15 will just gobble those up, probably. And yes. 10:45 will just go straight to online. Yes, most likely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, there are a couple of things in here uh, that I'm excited about. Uh, We have a prayer, uh, the fasting guideline in here. Uh, We want you to develop your own uh, fasting plan. I really believe the Holy Spirit leads us in that way. Uh, Rather than saying, you do this, and we'll try to force everyone into one plan, uh, you pray about how the Holy Spirit will lead you. Uh, I was thinking about my very first time I fasted. It was breakfast. I used to eat five meals a day, you know, three meals and two snacks. And the Lord said, uh, you need to start fasting. It was really hard missing breakfast for like a month. But just like any other muscle, as you work it, it becomes stronger. And so you may need to start just with missing a meal or whatever the Lord lays on your heart. Maybe liquid fast. Those ideas are in the book. So follow that. The other thing uh, that is coming up and we're kicking off is the quarterly prayer. Um, I love the book of Acts. And the premise for that quarterly prayer came from Acts 16, when Paul and Silas were in jail. Um, the Lord just reminded me that you know, two men were able to shake, uh, have an earthquake, shake a jailhouse, and and uh, loose, loosen chains and open doors of prison for everyone that was in the jailhouse. It wasn't just for them, everyone. Yeah. I always imagine what would happen if 500 of us come in and pray, Pastor. Amen. If 500 of us came in and worshiped the Lord. So it is a prayer and praise service. It's not just prayer alone. The reason why we are anchoring praise and worship as part of the prayer time is because we need fire on our incense. Prayer is incense, but you need fire. And praise brings the fire of God so that our incense can rise to the Lord. I'm expecting God to do some great and mighty things on the kickoff of our quarterly prayer. That comes right at the end of 21 days of fasting. So come expecting God to do great things. Uh, We will focus on praying for our children. Pastor, the enemy is working overtime on the children, and we want to break his stronghold over their lives. So come, bring your children, and we're excited about what God is going to do.
1: And the quarterly prayer that starts January twenty sixth, but per the word quarterly, we'll be doing that every three months. Yes, sir. And it's gonna be a full service
0: on a Wednesday night. On
1: a Wednesday night. Yes. Sir. And we're really looking forward to that. Yes. So thank you. Thank you, David, thank for sharing. You. If you want to know more about that, David, I assume you'll be out in the in the concourse and afterwards. Yeah, okay. You were looking at me like you weren't sure if you were going to be out there. So, but he'll he'll be out there and 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 of course Midlothian Ronnie Pastor West is out there with you today. He can share a little bit more uh, about this also. But folks, I I just I would say, man, let's let's just jump on maybe whatever your experience with prayer has been. Could we just all right now say, God, I want it I want it to be more. Whatever, wherever it has been, whatever I've seen, whatever's happened in that, God, would you do something in this in me that takes me further than I've ever been in prayer? Amen. So that, that's what we're trusting for, what we're believing on. It's going to be excited. I'm excited about getting this series started next week. Now, right now, you should be thinking, well, what about this week? What are we What are we doing this week? If the series starts next week, we're done. We'll see you guys next week. Go run out there and get, no, we're not done. I am going to, matter of fact, go ahead and open your Bibles now to Luke chapter 2. And you think, wait, are you stuck? We've been in Luke 2, Luke 1 and 2 forever now. Yet, but did you notice we didn't finish Luke 2? There's a passage left there dangling. Luke 2, 40 to 52. Now, if if I would have started the prayer series today and left that passage dangling, I would have joined 10 million other times that passage has been left dangling. It's so funny. We want to know more about the childhood of Jesus, and we ignore the passage that tells us about the childhood of Jesus. Now, we don't really mean to ignore it. But what what happens is we, we we get to a passage like that if we're doing a whole series on Luke. If we're doing, maybe we're in a small group and we're doing a Bible study on Luke and we're going through chapter by chapter, verse, then maybe we get to that. But how often are we doing something like that? Normally when we come to Luke 1 and 2, we're coming there for Christmas, right? We're looking at those Christmas passages. And if you look down in your Bible, along about the verse 20 We've gotten what we need. Every now and then you get a pastor that says, no, we can go further, like me. And we went to verse 39. And, and we, we, we went up to Luke two, 2, 39, the Sunday before Christmas. But then, then we're done. You know, we got what we needed out of Luke 1 and 2, and now we're pressing on into a, a new year. And so that passage just gets left there. Well, we're not, we're not going to leave it there. We're going to go ahead and grab that today and look at it. Uh, you know, it's a, it's an interesting passage. It's not Christmas. It's 12 year old Jesus. But a lot of times when we're done with Christmas, we are then ready to press on into the adult life and ministry of Jesus. And, and Luke 2.40 is not that either. And so we just, we just end up really not doing much with this. But that's where we need to remember that God gave us this passage, right? There's something in 12 year old Jesus that 56 year old Randy needs. And I'm guessing you too. We all need something that 12 year old Jesus has for us. As a matter of fact, as we start thinking about what we might need, I want you to think about this. Obviously, a kind of question that maybe is pretty heavy with all of us right now going into a new year. What's something you want to see changed? What's a decision that you need to make in 2022? Maybe there's just an area you want to grow. It's it's not that it's bad. It's not that there's something wrong. I just want to get better at. It could be a a relationship. It could be your job. It could be something in school, a a hobby. What's a decision you need to make? What's something you want to grow, develop at? What's something you want to see change? You got something kind of in your mind? Let's go ahead now and look at Luke chapter 2, verse forty. To fifty-two, Luke 2, and I'll begin in verse 40. There the child, the child's Jesus, there the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in and... In Jerusalem. I love the way that reads. Y'all go on ahead. I'm just going to stay here in the big city to kind of understand the traveling here. This would be like a family leaving Dinwiddie and going up to D.C. and then parents are heading back home and the 12 year old says, y'all go on ahead. I'm just going to stay here in D.C. by myself for a while. His parents didn't miss him at first. That, boy, that reads rough, doesn't it? <laughs> because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. And I imagine the entire way back, Joseph heard how this was his fault. doesn't say that. I just feel very confident that something like the conversation went. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic. That's obviously the key word, right? We've been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? Boy, let that soak in. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. So there's actually quite a few things going on here in our story. Let's start with two verses that we don't think are saying a lot. We kind of read them and run right by them. Verse 40 and verse 52. They, they, they kind of sound like they're just basically saying, and Jesus grew up and everybody liked him, right? I mean, you look down, here's what it says. Hey, Jesus was growing up and everybody liked him. There's actually a little bit more going on here than just that statement. In verse 40... That is a transition verse. As a matter of fact, if you look at how maybe paragraphs are broken up or maybe your Bible puts little notes or or titles above certain sections, verse 40 is probably with the prior section. Because verse 40 is a transition statement. Verse 40 is carrying us from the Christmas story into the story we're now reading. In other words, verse 40 is what was going on in Jesus' life from the age of 0 to 12. What what was Jesus doing? What was happening from 0 to 12? And it says, well, he was growing up. And it's interesting, in this verse, it's written in the passive. In other words, this is what was happening to Jesus. He was getting taller. He was getting heavier. He was learning how to read. He was learning how to take care of things. He, he was just doing what it kind of, what you would say here is a normal zero to 12 year old is doing. The normal things happening to a growing, developing eight year old is the same thing that was happening to Jesus, written in the passive. So so we're seeing a a kind of a transition and a summary statement of his first 12 years in that verse. Now, when we go to verse 52, that's also a summary statement. And it is a transition from the story we just read to what's going to happen in chapter 3. It's a transition to his adult life. So verse 52 is kind of summarizing ages 13 to 30. Now, you know, again, this is an area we wish we had more about Jesus' life. And we get one verse, one verse for 0 to 12, one verse for 13 to 30. But what's interesting with the way Luke writes this, led by the Holy Spirit, verse 40 was written in the passive, verse 52 was written in the active. So verse 40 is more about what is happening to Jesus as a growing, developing human Verse 13, or verse, verse 52, 13 to 30, is more about how Jesus was taking ownership of his growth. Ownership of his development. Yes, he's still getting taller. Yes, he's still putting on weight. Yes, he's still learning kind of these normal things. But he's really starting to own it. I want to grow. I want to develop. I want to understand. And so that, that that's what we have in this story That we don't really notice those two verses. But look what they are. They're a frame. So whatever we're going to discover. In verse 41 to 51. It's framed by this idea. Of there's a very natural. Normal growing. There's somebody wanting to grow. Wanting to develop. And that's going to frame this story. And of course our story. Is a story of a family. Going to Passover in Jerusalem. Now. Three times a year, a Jewish male had to go to Jerusalem. You you don't have a choice. This is what the law required. Now I said male, let me explain that in a moment. But a male would be 13 to 30. Three times a year, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Three times a year they have to go to Jerusalem. So that's one of these three times is the Passover. Now, why is only the male required? Does not God not care whether women and children go? Not at all. God's acknowledging the difficulty of travel. Remember, this is, this is not like the world we live in. You, you could live a hundred miles away from Jerusalem and to go for that event. Remember, we talked about this already with the time that Mary and, and Joseph were traveling. You might be talking, depending on where you're coming from in Israel, you could be talking about one to two weeks of travel maybe even a little bit more. That's one to two weeks you're not working. One to two weeks that nobody's at home taking care of things. And obviously that puts a stress and a burden on the family. And there's going to be times where, hey, we're just not going to be able to do this. So God said, I want one member of the family a year, three times a year to go to these events. Obviously carry the whole family if you can. But if you can't carry the whole family, then the male, starting at age 13, so Jesus is in Jewish culture, Jesus is right on the verge of becoming an adult, an adult male. He's 12 here, but 13 to 30, you would go three times a year. And as we see, they're, they're going in a caravan. Earlier in the Christmas story, we saw Mary and Joseph, they travel as a couple, they're by, they're by themselves, it's a little bit more dangerous. We might think, as a matter of fact, if you've ever traveled with a, a, a large family or maybe a couple of families traveling together, that's hard, isn't it? In the way we travel and the way we do things, the larger the group gets, the more difficult it gets. Not true here. The larger the group gets, the safer it becomes, the more efficient the travel becomes. So if I'm traveling by myself or me and my young pregnant wife are traveling down a road in this time, man, I'm an hour and a half, an hour before dark. We're getting off the road. I've got to secure a a shelter. I've got to secure food. I've got to secure a safe place because it's not safe. It's not safe to be out there in the wilderness by yourself. So you're losing a lot of travel time by just having to create security. Well, when you're in a caravan, you don't have that problem. You, you can actually travel deeper into the night, if not even travel all night. They've got carts. People sleep on the cart. Some walk. And then you change. You could actually go faster as a, as a large group. And, and so now, how big is this group? Well, it's big enough they lost Jesus now just say, hey, let's just do some math in our mind. How big does it have to be to lose your child? You know something? I mean, I had four kids. I could walk into a room of, what? 50 to 100, and probably within 10 seconds I one, two, three, four. OK, they're all where they belong. It just takes a matter of seconds at what point now can I do I have to hunt and and if people are moving I can't quite see I'm guessing our caravan here's the guess I don't know but just the fact they couldn't see their son I'm guessing we're talking about 500 people. Maybe maybe 800 to 1,000 people. And to, to which at that number you go, why are all these people together traveling? Because it's Passover. We're required to. We all have to go to Jerusalem. Is that so different than us? I mean, we're not required to travel at Thanksgiving or Christmas. But, but what's traveling like at th- Everybody's moving. So, so no different here. This is an event. The whole nation's moving. So everybody around Nazareth, uh, around surrounding villages. They're all together going to Jerusalem for this event. They know each other. They're friends, business acquaintances, they're, they're, they're family. And, and so, you know, hey, little Jesus is around here somewhere running, running around. And they go down there. They do Passover. And then what does it say? They left. And that evening... Now, we don't know when they left. Did they leave at 8 a.m., 10 a.m.? Did they leave at 3 and just say, hey, let's just get a couple hours down the road? But it feels like, it reads like they've probably done a day of travel, right? They they left Jerusalem. They traveled a day. And that's when Mary says, where's Jesus? And Joseph goes, oh, I'm going to be in trouble for this. Now, I don't really fault them for losing their child. Do you? I mean, if you're a parent, you've lost a child. Come on. Let us be honest. We've all left them somewhere. I I have four kids, and we twice, to my memory, we twice left a child. One time was at church. The other time was at a restaurant. And uh, unfortunately, it was the same child each time. (laughs) Um, But Colin's done well with therapy. He's coming He's getting over it, um, and the second time, just to be clear, was not really our fault. His sisters kind of set up how that unfolded, but that's that's another story for another time. But but anyway, I, I I get how that that happens. But when you do realize we've left a child, we've lost a child. Boy, I mean, every parent, every mom, you know the you know what Mary's feeling right now, don't you? You know the anxiety, you know the tension that well, the word frantic. Now, I've talked, I talked back in the Christmas series, talking about how safe, unsafe it is to be out there on the road. You think they waited till the next morning? No, sirree. They started right then, right then and there. They are going to Jerusalem through the night. I don't care what happens. We're going. They get there, and this is where the story, I'm just trying to understand what are Mary and Joseph doing? What is happening here? It becomes confusing to me. So they spend three days... ...in Jerusalem looking for Jesus. Now, if it was Washington, D.C. or New York City, we, we might can kind of get that. But, but it's not. Cities weren't developed then like they're developed now because there's no cars. There's no public transportation. You're doing everything on foot. And so, yes, Jerusalem is a city of hundreds of thousands of people. They had big cities back then. This is a huge city but not land wise. It'd be very small. And so you think, what would, what were they doing taking three days? And I'm getting, you know, they're not finding them, right? So they're just going to one place after another, I think over and over three or four times. They went to this place. Remember, Jesus really liked eating there. (laughs) You know, they went over here. They, and they're going around. Have you seen them? Have you seen they're going every, they're going everywhere, but where? The temple. I mean, wouldn't it seem like that'd be the first place? You know, now, verse 39 to verse 40, it's just one sentence for you and me, right? But 12 years did pass. We we are 12 years after all the things we spent the last six weeks looking at. But I don't think they forgot, do you? you? You think Mary forgot how Jesus got here? You think they forgot the meeting with the angels, the the, the story of the shepherds, the story of the... No, they didn't forget the... Man, they know they are a part profoundly of a very special plan that God is doing in this world. But you remember back in our Christmas series, I, I had a message where I talked about, boy, we can have profound experiences with God, profound experiences with the supernatural. And I think the way I said it then is, but we get over it. I won't say today we get over it, but no matter how big something this moment we have with God is, sooner or later we just kind of get back into regular life. We're just kind of operating in a regular way of thinking, a regular way of looking. I know this child is super special, but you know, just one day becomes the next and we're just doing life. And boy, doesn't Jesus jar him here with, I'm not here to live a regular life he would say that because he's the son of God. You and I wouldn't have to say I'm not here to live a regular life, right? No, I I think maybe we should learn something from 12-year-old Jesus. I'm I'm not here just to do what everybody does. I'm not just here to roll from one day to the next. Whatever happens, happens. And so Mary and, and Joseph walk up on... Finally get to the temple... <laughs> hey, you think we should go to church? Nah. <laughs> so they finally decide to go to the temple and, and there they find him. And Jesus is in this incredible scene, this incredible moment. He's 12 years old and he's teaching the religious teachers. Try to imagine, not 12 year old, I mean, it's just like a seventh grader, right? So imagine a seventh grader going up to VCU and gathering the physics department. And then proceeding, and this is kind of how this unfolded. The 12-year-old asked them some questions and they gave answers because they're all doctors in physics, right? They know the answers. And, and so then the, 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 12-year-old starts to say, well, what about this? And what about this? And then pretty soon the, the 12-year-old, and now, now all of a sudden they're asking some questions and then pretty soon they're taking, not, not, not physics students, the professors are now taking notes on what the seventh grader is teaching about fit. That's what we're talking about here. That's what this looked like. And it, and it says that, that they were amazed. That's, a, that's an interesting translation. That word literally means to lose one's wits. In other words, they are losing their mind over this conversation, over this experience that is happening. Now you think I mean he's he's the son of God right so he knows everything so he's probably telling them stuff he's they've never heard before you know my guess is probably not my, my guess is he's working with the scriptures he's working with what's been revealed I I'm, I'm guessing it's not that he's saying things they've never heard but they probably are amazed hey the guy's twelve years old and he like knows has anybody here yet said anything he didn't know. You know, he knows, so it's, it's the level, it's what he knows, probably the clarity with which he was communicating. And this is where I'm guessing maybe he starts to play some of the God card, is how he starts connecting dots. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, sometimes I know this, and I know this, and then all of a sudden, one day, somebody connects them for me. And I go, oh, my God. And all of a sudden there's, there's a beauty in that connection or there's a, a purposefulness in that connection. And now it's, it's a, like it's a brand new thing. Two things I've always known, but somebody connected the dots for me. And I imagine that's a lot of, of what is going on here as Jesus is talking with these religious teachers. And now enter very frantic mom and dad. And she is like wanting to hug the life out of them. Or spank the life out of them. Maybe a little bit of both at the same time, right? And and she says, why did you do... Very interesting language going on here. Why did you do this to your dad and I? And what does Jesus do? Uh, I was with my dad the whole time. It almost sounds like a correction, doesn't it? I I don't think it is. I, I don't think Jesus is trying to correct her statement, or point out the wrong view, or anything like that. I think he is genuinely surprised. Hey, I know what you guys know. I know about your meeting with Gabriel. I, I know how I got here. I, I mean, I I know that you know. So why were you looking for three days, and this is the last place you tried? And and I think he's just, hey, I didn't mean to make you frantic. I didn't mean, but why why, why didn't you? And so we're back to what I said just a moment ago. You know, we can just get stuck living this regular life. But maybe another way to think about this is we have an amazing ability to believe things and do nothing with it. We have an amazing ability to believe in something, but never apply it, never translate it into life. And I was starting to think, you know, what, what, what would, what would be something that we all believe and know, but almost never do anything with? And I, the first thing that came to my mind is Satan. I'm I'm guessing if we did a poll, you know, we'll we'll do an online poll also. If we did a poll right now, I'm guessing in our particular crowd, we'd be 80%, 85, maybe maybe north of 90% of us would say, I believe in the personality, the person of Satan as presented in Scripture. I absolutely believe in him. And not only would we say we believe that he's out there, but we also believe what the scripture teaches, what he's doing, what he's about. He's getting me to doubt God, getting me to doubt his word and walk into the life that he has for me. And Jesus said, hey, you can go with him. But I'm just telling you, he's got one goal in your life to steal, kill and destroy. And you and I know this. I mean, if I'd, have taught, if I'd have taught a message today on Satan and how he's working our lives, most of us in here would not be getting any new information. might be reminded, but we wouldn't be getting any new information. I believe that. I know that. And do nothing with it. Walk out of here and in sometimes a matter of minutes go lollygagging off into a temptation. I mean, there, there's Jesus dangling or Not Jesus, Satan. There's, there's Satan dangling an opportunity for anger and revenge. How many times does the Bible tell me... Multiples the answer. How many times does the Bible tell me... Just through the one emotion of anger... We open wide our lives to Satan. You all heard me say this... But it does not matter what you're angry about. It doesn't matter how right you are. Anger is a wide open door into your life for Satan... Has that ever stopped you for one second? The answer is no. Oh, I believe it and I know it and I'm going to completely ignore it and not do anything with it. Oh, for shame. Isn't that amazing? Now, I'm not, I'm not actually trying to impugn The character of Mary and Joseph, I'm not accusing them of some sin here. I'm just looking at what seems to be a human trait. I can believe something, I can know something and do nothing with it. Not really figure out, okay, now how do I then live? How do I then incorporate this into life? And and I'm wondering, they know all this stuff about this, but they don't seem to really be incorporating it into life but jesus goes back with them to nazareth and obeys submits to his parents this is a lot of times this is the place in this story where we do the deep dive where we say okay we're going to make this about parenting and about children and that's that's usually what we study here that's not what i'm going to do today i just want to look just for a few more minutes at at that one line of jesus i must be about my father's business that that one line. Two things there. Number one, my father. You and I read that, hear that doesn't even faze us because as followers of Christ, we're heavily trained, heavily learned in the New Testament where God is referred to as father over a hundred times. And in a personal sense, doesn't even Jesus say, hey, when you pray, call him your father, We're taught in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit gives me the ability to look up to heaven and say, Abba, my daddy. See, the New Testament calls us into that. The Old Testament believer did not think like that. God is called Father in the Old Testament less than 20 times. Look at the difference from 20 to maybe close to 200 and, and the 20 times that God is called Father in the Old Testament is never my Father. Not not a personal relationship. time. It's Father of creation. The, the Father of Israel. As a matter of fact, that's where you're going to find the word used the most. The Father of Israel. That just means the originator, the instigator, the one who produced Israel. but But never in this personal sense. As a matter of fact, I... I am confident that Mary and Joseph have pulled Jesus aside and they're having this conversation alone. In other words, the religious teachers aren't listening anymore because they would have gone from being amazed to being angered. Do you know why they crucified adult Jesus? Because he called God his father. This is a profound thing this 12-year-old is saying. In that culture, that context, to say, my father. And then there's this statement about, I have to be in my father's house. That is a good translation. That is what is said in the Greek. Almost every Bible translation is going to put, in my father's house. I don't think that helps us understand what Jesus is saying. You know, I can say, hey, that's really cool. And depending on the context, you know I'm probably not talking about temperature, right? Right? I mean, every culture, every language is you have statements that mean something that are not the, what the literal words say. So probably a better way to understand what Jesus is saying here is not, I have to be inside these four walls. I can't be anywhere else but in these four walls. No, what he's saying here is I have to be about my father's business. I've, I've got to be about what my father is about. Will that happen inside these four walls? Oh, absolutely. A church is the center for God's business. But is it limited to these four walls? Oh, Of course not. No. We come here to be reminded, refreshed, and energized and go back out there. In here, we're about our father's business. Out there, we're about our father's business. But what I'm blown away here is this guy is 12 years old, 12 years old, and he has a profound understanding of who he is and why is here he profoundly understands his purpose and his identity so that's the center of the story a 12-year-old working out of his purpose and identity what is the story framed by it's framed by his growth passive at first 0 to 12 but then as he turns 13 really engaging and saying, "I want to grow here. I want to be better at this. I want to understand that." He's taking ownership of how he grows and develops, how he makes decisions, how he learns, how he determines. Man, if I want to, if I want to live inside of my purpose and identity, or I mean, if I want to make right and good decisions, if I want to grow and develop, I'm going to do that from my purpose and identity. You and I in 2021 made hundreds hundreds and hundreds of decisions, many of them small and inconsequential. We don't even remember them today. And then we made some big decisions in 2021. How many times were you looking at that, deciding that, thinking about who am I and why am I here? Could, as I suggest, little to none, I, again, not trying to say anything pessimistic or bad about you or me, We don't do what 12-year-old Jesus did. We don't operate from our identity and purpose. If I've got to make a decision, I'm going to look at the calendar. I'm going to look at the bank. I'm going to Google for some information. And I'm going to take the information and I'm going to take my money and I'm going to take my calendar and I'm going to make a decision. But where in that did I say, why does God have me here? Who am I in God? How does this decision play a part of who I am and why I'm here? And that doesn't mean if we don't do that, we're going to make, oh, all your decisions are going to be bad and the devil's going to use them. oh Some of them. But no, that doesn't mean all your decisions will be bad and and the devil will use them. But it may mean we're not making the decisions we could be making. We're not growing in the places that we could be growing. Or like Jesus, verse 40, verse 52 living, growing, deciding, developing in a way that just leaves me in a great place with God and a great place with all the people around me. Hey, we anybody interested in that? Hey, I'd like to grow. I'd like to make some decisions. I'd like to do this. And when I'm I'm all done, I just want to be in a real good place with everybody around me and with God. Then we work from our identity. We work from our purpose. How do we do that? Well, I think Jesus shows us two things. It's the same two things that Anna and Simeon showed us. Remember the Sunday before Christmas? Same two things Zechariah and Elizabeth showed us. Remember back in November? Same thing that Mary showed us. Hey, I wonder if there's a theme here. I wonder if God's trying to say something. What are the two things? Hey, if you want to know God's will, be much in his word, be much in his work. All of the lives in Luke 1 and 2 are people much in God's word, and they're much in God's work. Now, you might be looking and saying, well, where does it say here that Jesus was reading God's word? Well, I, that, the, the, right, he was talking with the religious teachers about what did you think they were talking about? And they're talking about the Bible. What we've read, what we've memorized, what we've understand. Have you used this passage to understand this passage? Jesus is showing a very intimate working knowledge of the Scripture. And I know we're, oh, we're going to say right there, yeah, but he's Jesus. I, I can't do that. Wrong. You just absolutely cannot make that statement. That, there, that, that you can't do what Jesus did with the Scriptures. That's why God gave them to us. So that we could do with the Scriptures what Jesus did with the Scriptures. So, Jesus is much in God's word, and then, of course, that statement, he's much in God's work. You know, if I, if I have a decision to make in 10 days, big decision, really care about this one, I should do it with all decisions, but the big ones stand out, right? Man, I'd be in God's word as much as I can be. 15, 30 minutes, an hour a day. Because the more you read it, an answer just kind of floats off the page up and No, that's not why. Because when I'm much in God's word, I begin to see people like God sees people... I begin to see the world like God sees the world. I begin to understand myself the way God understands me. I just begin to think like God. Hey, if I'm getting ready to make a big decision, I want to be thinking like God, right? You spend as much time as you can in God's word. And then the second thing Jesus shows us, get busy with God's work got a big decision to make, has nothing to do with church, has nothing to do with your walk with the Lord. You got to, am I, am I going to do this at work? Am I going to do, I'm getting ready to take these classes. Do I do this in these? That doesn't even anything to do with church. You know what I'd say? Get busy up at church. So what does that have to do with my decision? What does that have to do with where I want to grow and develop? You know, when I'm much in God's word and I'm much in God's work, then I'm continually being reminded, I'm continually being refreshed at who I am and why I'm here. Two things. We do a whole lot without ever thinking anything about so clearly we need to be reminded, we need to be refreshed about who I am and why I'm here. What if I approached everything with a constant reminder, I am a child of God. I need to make this decision in a way that looks like I'm a child of God. Hey, I, in everything, I want to be a witness for God. In everything, I want to point to Him. In everything I do, I want Him to get glory. Do you think I'm going to come to those thoughts without much being in His word and much being in His work? No, I'm not. I'm too absorbed with myself. too absorbed with what's going on around me. I've got to choose to get much in the Word, choose to get much in His work, and then I'm reminded. What a great way to go into 2022. God has given us such solid standing about who I am and why I'm here. It'll help you make every decision. It'll give you the motivation for everything you want to be better at. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today and I thank you that by the power of Jesus Christ, by the blood, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I am a child of God and I can call you Daddy. That's your goodness. That's your kindness, not my goodness and kindness. Lord, I thank you that in Christ I'm a child of God. In Christ I am doing things every day in every relationship, in every decision. I'm doing things that can wonderfully point to who my father is and give people a good view, a good picture of my father through my life. Oh, Lord, would I have no greater desire? May we have no greater desire than to enjoy being your child and to let everybody around us see who our father is. Oh, Lord, as we head into 2022 with things we want to change, areas we want to grow, decisions we need to make. May we be much in your word, much in your work, and just wait on you to show your will and your answer. Because you always do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.